Welcome back, podcast listeners, here with episode 171. And today we've got a really great story to tell you and, and a really exciting guest, um, somebody that Tony actually got onto through a great friend of his. And, and we've just been going through a little bit of the story today. Um, and there's just so many moving parts, which I think is great. So today I'd love to introduce our guest. Um, I'll run through his bio quite soon. But Dwayne uh, Fernandez, welcome to the Coffin and Bond podcast. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. And as I said, mate, I'm excited. I've, I've been going through the links at the moment. Um, and I think your story is absolutely incredible. And, and it's something we're going to unpack um, during this podcast. But, mate, you've achieved a lot so far in your life. Um, Got to keep doing things, I guess. We, we were just having a laugh before about um, do you sleep and, and you sort of you just told us um, you've, you've recently been diagnosed with ADHD and you, and you think that's the cause of running around doing a lot of things. Absolutely. So, um, so what am I? So I'm someone who is born with uh, a, a physical uh, condition, similar yep. to how Oscar Pistorius has, uh, but my amputation was at age 11. I'm missing a few fingers on my right hand and a couple of feet. Um, and I suspect that completely overshadowed the fact that I have I am someone with ADHD. He's just like someone awesome who's just keep doing things. Let him keep going is what I suspect has <laughs> occurred, right? So um, it, we'll touch on that and the work that you're doing, um, but, you, you know, you were just telling us about, um, I guess, your, your disabilities, um, and this leads into a lot of the stories that we're going to talk about today and, and a lot of the, the amazing work that you're doing, but do you want to tell us a little bit about your childhood? Um, I think the best way to get through your bio today is sometimes I introduce it, but as you said, there's so many moving parts, so I think the best part we can do today is, is really unpack different moments. So do you, do you want to tell us a little bit about your childhood um, and, and what it was like? growing up sure uh, so i'm an indian born um was it uh, australian now um before i used to live in new zealand uh moved there in about 94 and we moved to australia in uh, 99 now in new zealand um was it parents who are smart decided to get out of india uh, because i'm someone with a with a disability uh we went to new zealand and uh the first thing they kind of said to to my mom was when she asked the question uh wait are we okay to immigrate here have you seen my uh child's um application um it's like um he's he's a person with like a, a lot of things he can't do and the immigration officer basically told her um your son's not someone with a lot of issues he's just there's few things that he cannot do and uh that's been really useful for my mom's mindset and from there it's been stuff that i uh it's, this you're not someone who's with a big disability you're just someone who few things you may not be able to do and so i just go ahead and try to knock all those things down i think that's been psychologically in my head for a while but in yeah. new zealand i had my amputation um and that was right. my that decision at age 11. 11. Yeah, yeah at age 11. um in the children's hospital in in auckland um i was at i'd been in in and out of hospitals because i've had like um a bunch of different operations up to the age of five on my hand on my legs and so and so um and that became my decision, right? So the mum suggested, uh, do you want to just amputate one? Because there'd be benefits to being an amputee because my body weight would eventually be too heavy for my bones and my legs to carry and my muscles carry. And uh, they suggested doing one. I'm like, oh, let's get it over and done with. So I got to choose at age 11, which is good. Dwayne, can I ask? Yeah, Thanks, I Jamie. I was just yeah, going to ask I, about I your mindset at age 11. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, uh, was it? 
being someone who's been in and out of hospitals for uh, quite a while, it's it you kind of use the medical kind of space on most most doctors try to re-explain things to you like you're a child but i'm like had about six or seven operations by that stage uh i understood the procedures and everything else um but it i understood the, the reasonings for what they were suggesting and there was enough information out there at that time for me to kind of make an informed decision the benefit though of amputating in new zealand was it was around about oh which was it so i think it was around 96 is when the amputation occurred it was a history world tour. Do you guys remember Michael Jackson? Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so so three days before the amputation, I met him in the hospital because he does his tour. So I actually have like a signed medical doll uh, with Michael Jackson on there. So that's uh, old school. And I was a big Michael Jackson fan. It's an Indian kid. You're a big Michael Jackson fan. But yeah, <laughs> mindset was good is what you're, if you're asking about amputation. Yeah, going into it, you're happy. You've got your signature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but it was interesting because it was also your choice. Um, yeah. And you, you spoke earlier about the fact that when it is your choice, you didn't ha- you didn't suffer things like, for example, the phantom feelings. Yeah, so I actually have. have very low amount of phantom phantom feelings or phantom pains because um, um, it's decision, right? So when people lose their uh, limbs in traumatic accidents, uh, they expecting to wake up with most of their uh, bits attached to them, and so they can feel those things intensely and especially when they're uh, if, you're, if you're in a driving accident for example you clench up and therefore everything is tightened you can feel everything and then suddenly you're knocked out and when you wake up everything's clenched and so what that means is that you're feeling every part of it even if it's not attached to you and so um I, if i really want to i can i can try to reach out to my toes and wiggle my big toe which i'm doing right now but it's not there and and it's it's something that doesn't bother me i suspect that's because i had the luxury and let's say it's a luxury of deciding to amputate uh and in a safe space in a medical thing and sometimes that just doesn't happen for many people so so moving into i guess adolescence um you know you, you were saying your parents your parents made the smart decision that they thought at the time to move you into accounting um and that was never for you do you do you want to talk about sort of those early absolutely so um Indian parents um, happy to happy to pay for your first degree as long as you're doing well in school and therefore that's been kind of my training. So someone with um, undiagnosed with ADHD for the last how long a very naughty kid always getting him in trouble. Uh, their thinking was you're missing legs. What can you do without legs for the longest period of time? Accounting. I'm like yep, yeah, logic, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So they end up saying that they're paying for a bachelor of business accounting degree, um, and that's what I did. Um, but uh, ADHD is not going to let you be an accountant with like with great intent. And so I did the least accounting thing possible. I uh, became an insolvency accountant. Just lucky enough for me that that happened to be in 2007. And uh, you all know what happened in 2008. I was busy. I was going to say that very busy period. <laughs> it was very busy. So I was lucky enough to uh, be a graduate in that space. And but, but insolvency is not a not a space that you want to stay in for a long period of times, because it gets to you, right? Uh, uh, towards the end, yes, you're doing these beautiful things with infrastructure and service delivery and and um, and uh, all these different types of businesses that you literally start off with an ABN just a number you're going to go figure out who it is and what it is and go run it and then make some money and make sure people get some uh some money back it's it's investigative accounting which is cool absolutely cool uh but after a while you're basically just burying uh you know dead companies and people's livelihoods and dreams and so that 
is something that you don't want to be doing for too long um, unless that's the type of way you work and that's okay yeah so we'll skip ahead and we were talking about the three Dwayne's before or there's four really um I, I guess I think there's about Dwayne. 19 actually yeah James. I was going, I was going, I'm really cutting short aren't I? We, 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 we haven't we haven't yeah but we haven't spoken about Dwayne uh so far we've got uh Dwayne the husband Dwayne the father to two young children as well uh so n- never mind everything else that Dwayne does so but you know the most important part before we get on to all your accomplishments and achievements and businesses uh that you run is that you are married and as you said you're married to your first wife uh, which is always a great thing and you have uh, two beautiful young children who have upcoming uh, birthdays as well so they must they they, so do your children have your energy Dwayne? Yes and I think that's how we identified uh, where that energy was coming from. Uh, My eldest um, my seven-year-old she is like me very much like me. And uh, that is both a compliment and, well, you're dealing with Dwayne, so it's yeah. it's, 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 it's the same thing, right? So it's it's fun identifying yourself. And uh, initially that caused a bit of issues because going, um, why is this kid not listening? I'm like, and then you start asking a question, who was not listening before? I'm like, it was me not listening. I'm like, okay, cool. Maybe there's something there. And and that helped us go through the process of getting her diagnosed as well. So she has ADHD. Um, the the two two the two sister, uh, sisters are very different. So the the, the two year old is is um, yeah, it's just follows mom around. That's what mom really needs, like a kid who can who really is attached to her. And the other one is very much like me, going go and do things, go do, go do as many things as possible. So Esme, uh, seven, approaching seven, and Enola, approaching two. So with Esme, if she's silent, she start to worry. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, yes. that was, that's my youngest son. You know, whenever there was silence in the house, he's now 23, but whenever there was silence in the house, we panicked. So, yep. so yep. where is he? What's he up to? <laughs> correct. So uh, it's, uh, it's a balancing act of uh, there's either too much noise or too little noise, and that's the, yeah. the too little noise is the worrying part. So it's uh, the too much noise can be the annoying part. The too little noise is the real worrying part. Yeah, I hear you loud and clear there. Um, you, you've gone and you, you do, you've worked for Transport New South Wales, uh, New South Wales Department of Planning Environment, Manager of uh, Accessible Delivery, uh, Partner Diversity and Inclusion Strategy as well. So, so you, you've had a what seems to be, you know, about four or five years uh, working in government. Is that correct? No, I've been in government since 2013. So, um, okay. trans- uh, so coming I'll up to my 10 years in government. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So it's yep. uh, yeah, so you you have worked in, in all in, in New South Wales different areas there. Correct. But I'm you're heading over but, to justice next. Okay. So it's uh, actually have a few clients at uh, justice. Uh, so as well, but it's interesting though. You you're also extremely entrepreneur. Uh, now, usually somebody who works in the public service is not necessarily uh, somebody who has uh, an, an entrepreneurial, I say usually, so I'm stereotyping here, has an entrepreneurial spirit. You do. You have an extremely entrepreneurial spirit, but your entrepreneurial spirit seems to have come about from helping people and helping people who uh, to actually achieve their their own greatness in life who might not necessarily um be given the same opportunities and chances uh that say somebody who just is you know just uh, 
grown up normally, as we would say, and I hate to use that word normal because it's the wrong word. I just couldn't think of the right one. But I want to touch on, if I can, before we go into some of your other accomplishments, uh, minds at play. So mind, minds at play and how that how your entrepreneurial spirit actually came around, your story there with your godson and how this business has sprung out of that in helping in helping somebody is quite wonderful and actually warmed my heart. So can you, can you give us a bit about uh, the, the background of how you came about Minds at Play? So having a difficult time in in uh, transport, uh, having difficult time playing uh, working with my boss, I needed I needed some um, kind of like a midweek break, and I managed to convince Dan, who was our IT guy in in transport, uh, to come play some D and D with us. Well, there's a local game shop. We went there. We trialed it out. It was Dungeons and Dragons. We played fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons. I guess that Dungeons and Dragons. I feel like everyone's heard that word before. I guess of watching Stranger Things. That's and, right. Um, you know, it's come popular in that regard. Yep. And so uh, with with that, uh, and Kate Bush has made a reemergence as well. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Running up that hill, man. It's it's it's. That was that do. was a, that was actually my running song. Running up Buckley Street in Essendon was running up that hill with no problems. Uh, back when I was a little bit lighter and I could run up hills. So it's um, <laughs> so once upon a time. Nothing stopping you. But I'll get ourselves back onto this story. Um, I was working through the process of going, uh, I, I needed a break. And we, we found like something that could keep us entertained during the midweek. And I found myself, uh, found myself um, uh, playing my boss as a character. Um, and that character was a wood elf ranger. It lasted two years in this difficult uh, D&D environment. But what I also noticed the benefit of that was I was getting into less drama with my boss. Um, I understood what they were doing, what they wanted, what their motivations were, because I was role playing them for like a couple of hours a week. Um, and during that time frame, um, less dramas. And I found that to be a value. And I was going through my NDIS process of trying to get my own prosthetic legs across the line, which NDIS has a lot of issues with administration. I had to learn a lot of the back office things. I saw a section called innovative social participation. And I thought of my godchild going, does that sound like D&D? I asked Dan, does that does that section sound a little bit like D&D to you? He's like, that sounds like D&D to me. And so we went through the process of uh, identifying how we could potentially make Dungeons and Dragons into a program that adds value for my godchild um, to help him build his social communication skills. Because, um, and so that became the process. Um, so I should clarify there: your godchild is on the spectrum, correct? He's on, he's on the spectrum. Yeah. Um, just turned nine um, quite recently, and um, he's won an award for uh, giving a speech uh, in uh, as a social justice uh, uh, warrior. I think that's what the title that he wanted. And so I'm like, okay, this is apparently he's been playing with us for the last two years. But that's the success story being told before the actual story, right? Um, what I what I loved about this place is that it it um, it became a case that how can I get consistency for him? And it started with the case of how can I I can play with him, so, but I'm I'm a busy guy. I have a government day job that I need to make sure I do. Um, but how do I get consistency? So you build a model, uh, a business model that works. And the, it, we worked out a process and we started pitching. And during that during that time frame, we set up a company in 2019 called Display and Diversity Services. We then picked up a training name called Minds at Play. And uh, we went out there and pitched. Um, Age care as one type of client, 
corporate businesses for building teamwork and team building. We have games for that. And um, and then this other model about assisting people in the spectrum. There was enough research done on it and we pitched it and it landed. Uh, Luke Critis Foundation in Penrith um, gave us a chance. Um, and what happened in that space was we got to we got to them, we interviewed them, and um, we were going to start this thing, but then a pandemic hit, and it hit hard, and it took everybody's in-person groups and removed them. And Jeff, my third partner, asked a simple question, can we do this online? And so we identified cameras and things and everything else and shot physical minis using minis from the back of my shelf um, onto a space, and it worked. The first two-hour session that they send us these four clients using Zoom, um, it we thought they were just regular kids that they sent us. They were behaving the way that you expect to have people playing in D and D. Um, and at the end of it, I suggested let's let's how about how are you guys going to talk to each other when when you're not in the session? And they're like, oh, I'll create a Discord and we'll, we'll we can chat there. After they left, the support coordinator was in tears in absolute tears saying I've known these boys for like years they've never they've come to many events previously but they've never interacted this way and then they've gone and made a friend group and they're going to keep it excitement uh four players became 18 became uh so and so and we worked with them for an entire year working the processes out assisting them and they were like we can't grow at the pace that you're growing maybe start looking outside and figuring it out. And at this point in time, we currently have, we just starting a term, which is term four with 339 players across all of Australia with, um, in every time zone, we have 29 games masters uh, running these spaces. And we've gone from using basic tools such as cameras and things to digital tabletops and partnerships with Hero Forge and Eldridge Foundry and Tailspire and all these big companies that are just going, what you're doing is cool. We love to partner. And we're like, what you're doing is cool. We love to partner. So it's passion upon passion. And we're paying people to play Dungeons and Dragons. And we have people who have come through our program that are also now a games master. So it's actually being, not only is it assisting them build their social communication skill, but it also is turning into some an employment path for them as well, which is just amazing. Lots of fun. Dwayne, can I ask there, you've you've got an accounting and business background, uh, but this is, and you work in government, but this is your first time in venturing into being self-employed. And a lot of businesses, we, we know the statistics uh, of how many businesses start new businesses fail within the first year or two years mm -hmm. of starting business. You, when you first started this business, did you, you went through a group called Ignite, is that correct? That's exactly right. So, um, told you the success, yeah. now how the success was formed, right? Um, yes, we pitched, um, yes, we worked through that process, but because um, we had a rough idea of what we wanted to do, uh, we were lucky enough to find Igniteability. Igniteability is um, part of SSI, and um, I met Tatiana, and I was lucky enough to be an entrepreneur with disabilities through Simon Darcy's UTS's uh, space. And at the bottom of it was said Igniteability, we assist people with disabilities establish businesses. Because we had a reasonable concept, we presented it, and 
it was then like getting into a car and driving at high speed. We had a initial logo that was uh, something that we put together on a $50 Etsy. They did a rebranding for us. Uh, they got us professional headshots. They got us legals across the line. They got us the things that now is bread and butter operating operating space that got us standing up and being noticed. And uh, that's the value of um, using these uh, organizations that really help uh, rally. And I have then, because of the success of I had with Igniteability, they've invited me to be one of their co-designers and teach people about how to start their, get their ideas into a space that works enough that they could be a potential business, right? So it's exciting. Tatiana is an awesome, awesome person. You guys know Tatiana, right? If we know Tatiana very well. Yes, yep. extremely um, well. And, uh, and, um, yeah, so um, she was absolutely excellent. So the good thing about something like that is that um, anytime I had something, a success in the business, um, and I couldn't tell anybody, I would tell her. Uh, because, you know, sometimes you just need to tell someone that this landed and uh, and she would celebrate. And we, and we would like just pat each other on the back and give ourselves high fives. And that just kept us moving, right? Uh, you need to celebrate all the tiny wins that result in the what people see as this big, corporation when we're just a gaming company a nice little gaming company that makes safe inclusive spaces for people to you know have fun and be safe i think i think one of the great things there uh duane is that one of the things we we do for full disclosure we do some pro bono work with ignite um and we are uh supporting them i'm very uh right now i've got a real passion towards supporting their um their armadale first uh so ignite in ignite first in armadale uh, they help the local Indigenous community there, and I think that is that's a wonderful passion for what we do with our own charitable uh, work. That also, but one of the great things there is that they seem to not just put you on the right track. They seem to be passionately involved in making sure that you are going to be a real success, and yeah. they and they actually want you to be a success. So rather than just dotting the i's and crossing the t's and hoping that you survive for that first 12 months, no. their goal seems to be making sure that you are a success and that you go out there and you create your own journey and your own new world. Is that absolutely. correct? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So in addition to kind of like, um, it's not telling you that this is the stuff that you need. It's telling you the stuff that you need and then giving you options to help you find the people that you can work with to achieve that. And uh, that is... As, as a new business starting up, um, you definitely need that. Uh, uh, any entrepreneur needs kind of to be pointed in the right direction and how to how to set up and have the right type of um, uh, the processes in place. Um, and that's the value of them. It's they not only have the people that'll help you de- deliver, they get in the car with you and like are driving with you through that journey. And that's the whole point of uh, that partnership model that they have. They allocate you someone that'll that's there for you. And um, that model works really well for uh, the cultural linguistic diverse space. So, and I'm glad they're working on that uh, Aboriginal space right now, but um, I came through Ignitability and I saw the value in in that space. And uh, we've gone from being like a, what would be assumed to be a micro business to what's potentially something that's going to sustain, survive, and it's going to be its own little thing. Um, and ideally, we like doing this one thing really well. And so that's our objective. Let's do this one thing really well and and um, assist 
in this one point. Dwayne, that's a really good segue because you've done a lot of one things extremely well. Um, and as an example, you know, you're, you're a double amputee. As you said, you're missing a few digits on your right hand. Nothing has held you back and your passion is, you know, just thrives. I remember when Tatiana was telling me about you and I said, well, we need to speak to, we need to speak to Dwayne. We, we need to, we need to let all of our listeners know uh, about Dwayne and everything he's doing. So I'm going to touch on a couple of your other things, if that's okay. Hmm? Um, your retro running. So your Dwayne's runs and records. So remember, you're a double amputee. Uh, mm-hmm. you've done retro running for, and I had to ask you what was retro running just before, and you've got in brackets here, backwards running, 100 metres in Essen, Germany in 29.89 seconds. Now, there's a lot of people who'll be listening to this that could not run forward 100 metres in sub 30 seconds right now. You've actually done it running backwards and a double amputee. So the first thing that that shows me is that nothing, there's, there's not a thing that you that you never enters your mind that you can't do. But can you explain the idea of why you did that? It wasn't just to set a record. It wasn't just about running backwards. But there was also, in some ways, a engineering slash medical uh, reason why you actually did it too as a double amputee. Can you just touch on that for me, please? Absolutely. So it goes back a few more steps before that. It's a case of um, – you, and you're starting to see the, the connections, aren't you? You're starting to see the – um, the space that I'm in and how I'm playing is that although it looks very diverse all the time from from an individual pursuit, it's part of that greater kind of connected idea. Um, and my space is around um, how can I improve the life of people with disability in society full stop? And that comes from multiple different angles and needs different approaches at different times. State government, it is legislation working with people. In other places, it's the awareness prong. You need to make people aware of you. And something like retro running is what? You did what and why? And then same with the tower running, right? So running up all those towers. But with retro running, it became the case of um, there are a lot of beautiful prosthetics for people running at high speed forward. Uh, You also move backwards with a whole bunch of different muscle masses and a whole bunch of other different things. And those technologies are not built yet, or they're not built with such kind of focus as moving forward. And so hilariously, setting a record and running backwards is actually moving technology and science a little bit forward. The question is, I want people to go out there and beat my time. Like I can tell you, 29 seconds should not be too hard for many people to do it because the tech um, I was using... Um, not a lot of giant springs. Uh, and when I did use uh, the big running blades to run the 200 meters backwards, I had trouble. I had like proper trouble. It wasn't enabling me to be fast. It was preventing me and slowing me down because it was built in a way that it's about forward momentum. And so you're like, okay, that doesn't work. And so that became the, the I think the 200 meter backwards was around, one minute, 28 seconds. One, 122. Sorry, oh, yeah, the, I'll, I'll tell you. So you, you, you added six seconds to time. 122.44. Yeah. yeah, perfect. That's slow. That is insanely slow, and it should not be that slow. Um, and what I found is that when I used the lower-grade technology, I was able to get a much faster much faster movement backwards, which is why the 100 meters isn't like a shrinkage of that time. Uh, it's usually you find 200 meters is like almost exactly double of a, of a hundred. Uh, and, half, and, half a second per hundred meters longer. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. so oh, well, for, you're in the same boat that is, but yeah. 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 Mm. And you can assume that uh, if you're doing that, that's the type of work that yeah. works out. But, 
but that was all very useful spaces, and which is why you run up towers, and which is why you run up these things to improve the technology in that space. And that gets people thinking, well, what's needed? How do you improve uh, inclusion in this environment and that environment and the next environment being zero G? But as you said, you know, just because you're a double amputee doesn't mean that you, you don't have to move backwards at times. Yeah, uh, 100% you know, so need to dance the, out of the way so, of cars and such. Absolutely. So it's uh, so it, it can uh, it can be life-threatening not be able to do it. But on top of that, then, you've decided to do something else as a double amputee, and those run up a hell of a lot of stairs. But I'll, I'll, t- I'll touch on, to start with, um, the Sydney Centrepoint Tower, because you've actually done that three times. Uh, you're obviously a person that likes to push himself and do better year after year because one thing about the center point tower it's not conditions like is it too hot is it too cold is it windy you know you can go run a, a hilly marathon or a flat marathon with a tailwind you get two different times this is you're running up 1501 stairs every year under the same conditions yeah uh, so it's not, as, it's not as if it's a wind tunnel so in 2008 you did in 23 minutes and 45 seconds now People who know, uh, I know a lot of people, maybe myself included, who will complain about walking up two flights of stairs, but it's, uh, you've gone up 1,501 stairs, 2008, 23 minutes and 45 seconds, 2009, 23 minutes and 12 seconds, so you just broke your record by 30 seconds, and in 2010, you obviously went out there to smash it, and you you did without any doubt. Maybe you had a Red Bull that morning, but it was twenty <laughs> minutes, twenty minutes, and not that I'm promoting Red Bulls, by the way. <laughs> but uh, twenty minutes and fourteen seconds. So what an outstanding feat! So you obviously went out there with the intent of improving every year. Is that correct? Yep. So stair climbing is a difficult thing for absolutely everybody. Absolutely. And yeah. and uh, when you think of a marathon, uh, you uh, you can say, yeah, I've done the Boston Marathon of this marathon of the, you know, 14K run. Um, I can point to a building in a major city and say, I've run up that building. And that mm-hmm. has an impact, right? And uh, what that does is people can understand what you mean. Uh, stair climbing is a type of sport that uh, that you have no one cheering you along the way. It is literally you, the sound of your breathing, an echoey staircase, and the steps that you go through. And hopefully, if you have some good music in your ears, that'll get you through. But um, something like this is it's truly you against yourself. It's and as, as a double amputee, I was setting records uh, for people to beat. I, and I traveled few countries to do that and I've left them undefended. And luckily for me, um, no one's beaten my time yet. Uh, someone did try the Empire State. Um, 26 and, minutes and 12 seconds in 2009. So Yeah, and they were about a minute slower than me. So about five years after I set that record, I became, I was the first. And then five years later, I was the fastest. Uh, so it's good to know that. Um, but what that does, I want people to go and destroy these things. Because if you're doing that, you're getting your fitness up. You're getting out of the house. You're, yeah. You as a person with a disability are getting out and about. And also, technology is improving. So I, it is it is upon me to Dwayne, go ahead and do these there's things. So, there's something else though I'll add to that. You've given somebody else who's a double amputee uh, something to aim towards. You've given, them, uh, you've given them the ability to be able to say, wow, I can do this as well. 
wow, I'm going to train for this, and then, wow, I'm going to try and beat Dwayne's record. So you've actually got that. And when I was coaching uh, people in triathlons, when I was a triathlete myself, there's, you know, <laughs> if you're, you're up every single morning, 365 days a year, you know, at 4.30 a.m. to get up and train. And I can tell you now, there's at least one third of those mornings where you didn't want to get up. But I always ask myself, is my competition out of bed training? And yeah. and and that's what you've done is you're you you were doing it for yourself to start with, but you've now inspired some other young person who's also a double amputee that nothing can hold you back, and you know you will actually get out of bed, and that's the inspiration that I see in what you've done in your sporting achievements. Yeah, the inspiration to get out and do uh, activity that works for yourself, yes, but I will uh will not will will toe the line around being purely that inspiration for inspiration's sake, right? So what I love about uh going to Singapore is that. After the first year I went to Singapore and did the tower run, the rest of the community, the rest of the disabled community identified that this is something that they could do as part of their space. And then that's what happened. Year after year, even if I was not there, a group of disabled athletes would get themselves up Singapore Tower and uh, they would celebrate. Uh, they had people with crutches and people with uh, a mild CP getting up there and that became uh, a part of that activity going we're driving awareness for our community and that's you got to let you got to kind of let things establish do it well enough that people want to follow space and been using those ideas for a while including with setting up like peer support networks in in state government because that's that's how you get the communities together and that's how you kind of drive change together not as an individual never as an individual Dwayne, we've had a couple of young uh, young gents in here who just did the Melbourne Marathon, and for the first time, uh, first time that either of them run a marathon. But I have said to Jamie once, he said, "Oh, I could never run a marathon." I said, "Yes, you could." And he goes, "No, nah, I couldn't." I said, "If you're getting chased by a hungry bear, you could run a marathon." <laughs> so <laughs> you just need that inspiration. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So, yeah. So it's um, but you you mentioned the word space there, and I'm going to use that as a segue into your next thing, if that is okay. <laughs> so before we go on to your latest entrepreneurial uh, endeavor. And this is, um, so Astro Access, Dwayne Fernandez is going into space. So it's a, can you, can you tell us about, uh, so it's on the seven, is it the 70th anniversary? Oh, sorry. What anniversary is of, of Apollo 17? Sorry. So it'll be of yep. the 53. So it'll be the fifth, yeah, the 50th anniversary of Apollo 17 going into space. So tell me about you going over to Houston. I have seen a photo of you with an astronaut's helmet on at the age of two. In that, I believe that was NASA in Houston. Uh, but now you are actually going from that two-year-old uh, to actually going up into space. Can you tell me about that? So not space. I'll correct you. I'm going to a zero-G environment, right? So this this okay. group of people that we're working with is we are doing science experiments in a zero-G environment that helps drive the need and the uh, the focus on driving disability inclusion in space. Now, I was quite happy to be tagged on a few few posts telling me to apply for this thing. I've, I have a keen interest in space because um, at, at the age of two, I ended up going to Houston, Texas, and, um, and I saw my dad in one of those, you know, those those uh, EVA suits as a kid in a pram, those unsafe metal prams, and basically <laughs> seeing someone that looks exactly like me in a zero-G environment. And that, that photo has been around my life for a while. And about 2011, I started asking myself, I want to be the first double amputee in space. That, that's roughly when 
this thing started for me. Um, uh, SpaceX was not not at a stage where they were they were crashing rockets like crazy, uh, and that became a goal in my head. Going, I'm going to from tower climbing to being the first double amputee in space. Now, what do I need to do to make that happen? Now, you'll start to see the dots connect over here. Uh, there are three ways of getting yourself to space. Uh, as you're well aware, uh, you can be friends with a Branson or uh, or a Bezos or, uh, or um, you know, buy Musk. Your <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, item number two, you need to buy your ticket. Item number three, you've got to be some type of expert in this area. Uh, are you starting to see the dots connecting for you guys about... Uh, a grand goal, uh, and basically everything I've been doing for the last last f few years, and it looks disjointed when you look at it from the from the brown level. Is I am trying to put myself in a zero g environment uh, for at least three days. I'm not looking to go to the moon, um, but ideally uh, for someone like me to do that, I need to make sure that the space industry is being inclusive. I need to make sure that I have sufficient money to make that happen. Maybe that's a company that'll sort me out. Uh, I need to be, um, you know, uh, I also need to get a hold of some people that that might invite me to that space. So keeping a fairly big profile and getting myself known by a few media personalities is something um, that would do that. So, you know, meeting meeting people like The Rock yeah, <laughs> and a whole bunch of other people that can introduce you. And those are the prongs I've been using to kind of get myself there. But this particular experiment that we're doing in the zero-G space is I'm trying to prove that a person who is a below-knee amputee or person with limb loss has greater than or equal to uh, mobility in a zero-G environment and dignity, right? So same equal, equal level of dignity, equal to or greater than mobility in a zero-G environment. Because my legs come off, and if I can prove that we're doing, that's the experiment that I'm trying to work on, is that um, if I can prove I have equal than or greater than mobility in a zero-G environment than you, well, the business case is very simple. Stop sending people with their full legs into space. That's expensive. Send us. Um, you're not actually walking in space. Uh, you are actually, uh, you can attach a few tools to the bottom of my legs and that will work out just fine. You're going to save on materials, spacesuits, technology. And uh, the way you're getting around in a zero-G environment is using your arms. And guess who's been working out their arms for the last few hundred years? <laughs> a, a whole bunch of Paralympians, a whole bunch of people with uh, disabilities. So I personally believe that if you get us up into a zero-G environment, we are of greater value to society than you are. And um, if I can, if we can, if I can prove that mathematically, scientifically, I think I have my business case to um, send veterans into space because they already trained with resilient mindsets. And uh, what that does is uh, they make absolute fiscal sense, fiscal, not social. I'm talking about fiscal because that's the way the world works. It's about making sure everything makes fiscal sense. And so let's make some fiscal sense for you, shall we? Stop sending you know, full-size humans into space. It's a waste of money. Okay, but once again, you've given me every wonderful segue in the world here, Dwayne, because that gives us a wonderful segue into your latest entrepreneurial venture with a few partners called Idea Services. And what you and Idea Services, uh, I will touch on it, but I'll get you to give a good background. What you've basically said is fiscal sense, but in saying that as well, you're saying that 
you know, there's there's for you with your whether it be your ADHD or whether it be a double amputee and missing a few digits on your right hand, there's nothing holding you back uh, actually going into space and being able to do anything that anyone else can actually do. But that's also, I believe, the idea behind idea services as well is actually just because somebody has a disability doesn't mean that they're not going to be a value uh, member of your team and your business and Absolutely. the things that you, you can actually do. And, and you've proven there is nothing that you can't do. Uh, so you put your mind to it, you actually go and do it. So let's talk about idea services and helping, uh, I suppose, businesses like us. Uh, be able to identify that how do we hire somebody who has a disability or how do they get the exact same opportunity uh, to come and apply for a job with us or any of our clients on that basis as well. So please, please give us that idea as well. Tell us about that. And you okay. can see how it's all, everything has just worked perfectly well in your life here so far. Not, not perfect. There's a lot of struggles. Um, oh, of course there is. Uh, but that, have, but that's, yeah. that's just regular human life. So inclusion and disability expert advisors acronym idea and uh, it's it's supposed to be driving disability inclusion by people with lived experience right so um, not every person with a disability is an expert in that space but uh, because you need to understand um, the diversity in disability and this is the objective of this organization is to kind of understand that businesses don't have the capacity to understand the complexity of the disability community but there's a lot of different things in that space um, at least from the viewpoint of a business. But if you use like the social model of disability, you can understand the the size, the impact, the legal ramifications of a disability market. And then using a formulated approach, you can actually improve your accessibility inclusion, either for your staff or for the 1.34 million people in New South Wales, if you are in New South Wales, um, that are people with disabilities that could utilize your products. So why do you not want more money in your bank account uh, by not having by having a product or service that is going to be a little bit better for all? And there's a lot of good case examples of that, right? Um, the stick, the stick is a beautiful, like let's talk about it from a carrot and stick perspective, right? Carrot, um, did you, um, any of you use an electric toothbrush? I do. Yep, electric toothbrush, electric toothbrush. Um, question, why are you not bedridden in a in a healthcare setting? Because that's who the market's for. Why are you using it? Dentist told me to. Yeah, the <laughs> dentist told you to because it's a fab, fabulous product that helps you clean your teeth. The original market was the display community. Um, so focusing on the display community actually has a greater market sense. That's a carrot, right? So a wide variety of different cool things. For the kids, there's music in the toothbrushes because you, they've figured out the sonar into the teeth, into the brain, blah, 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 right? And uh, it, it has, keeps your teeth in good condition. Um, and that's just one. There's a, a society is built on accessibility through and through. The last, when's the last time you turned on the audio while scrolling through social media? Hardly ever, right? Because you're reading all the words on the videos, which is what that is. That's live. That's captioning. That's that's the hearing community. Uh, that's whose bread and butter that is. That's for that's happens to be then uh, access. Uh, it becomes um, accessible for them, but it's a nice service for you because you can just see the information that you need. And knowing those level of information, um, how you can build and improve. The product that you're selling to the wider audience and uh, the display community has always been that space that you can kind of 
if you innovate correctly and you think about it correctly, it's going to have good positive value. The flip side is that we have a Disability Discrimination Act. And uh, the Queensland government found out quite uh, the wrong way that if they do not comply with the Disability Discrimination Act and uh, going through the process, that there was a, um, oh, I love, uh, actually, let's play a guessing game, right? One person in a wheelchair uh, sued the Queensland government for making inaccessible trains. What is the accessible uplift that they had to then comply with to deliver? Give me a dollar figure. Trains, Queensland. 100 million. Higher. 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 Half a billion. That was, yeah, this is a much, this is a much longer game because most people don't start off with 100 million. People think, oh, yeah, it's a few hundred thousand. But you're right. The initial kind of assessment was at a half a billion. After reassessing it and identifying efficiency in the process is that it came up to 300 and $35 million to build accessibly into rolling into the rolling stock of those Queensland trains when everybody knew that they were non-compliant. And it took one person in a wheelchair to, to do that because the wheelchairs, uh, the, the, uh, the accessible bathroom on the, uh, on the train was not accessible to a wheelchair and the passageway was not wide enough for a wheelchair to move through. Now, ask you a simple question. Is talking to a person with a disability going to cost you $350 million? Certainly not. <laughs> and so that becomes the carrot, right? So you do that at a design stage. It's erasing a pencil mark and redrawing it and yeah. uh, reassessing that space. And disability inclusion is different to the different uh, communities that are there. So the social model of disability equals conditions, such as me. I have a mobility disability, missing a few fingers, missing a few things. And barriers. Well, barriers are built. And barriers can also be removed. And so if you're using a social model of disability, it's different for the conditions that are out there. For ADHD, it's different to uh, a physical mobility space, which means that you need, if you're using that social model of disability well, you're going to expand your market base and have less issues across the board. And so that's the type of thinking behind creating a consulting company with lived experience that can give you these simple tactical, practical steps at a nice early enough stage. It saves you half a billion dollars worth of issues. Half a billion dollars of taxpayers' money that was not required to be spent in the first place. Or, yeah. could, be, or could actually be spent on building more hospitals and, and better schools and everything else. Now you apply that to a space program. Um, which at this stage is a transportation and a, uh, and a base program, you think the disability community are not coming after you? Oh, I, we are. Because you're not, leaving this, you're not leaving this planet without us. And uh, that's, uh, we are actually, and we want to add more weight to it, is that um, if there's a correlation between age and disability. So if you're looking for all those beautiful P&O space cruises, to occur, well, you need to make it accessible to the aged community, which has a lot of disability. Absolutely. So, your the that baby boomer generation tends to sue their way out of um, sue their way into what they need. So the question is, are you building something that is later going to come back and have the world's largest lawsuit after you? Let's prevent that. Let's make sure you're working with us to achieve better inclusion and minimizing your your risk. And that's the stick, carrot and sticks.
Dwayne, what a, what a magnificent story and what an what an absolute honour for both of us to chat to you today. I usually, I usually, with guests, try to let Jamie do a lot of the talking, but sorry, you've just absolutely inspired me today. So, you know, I, I mentioned to you before I got on here that I, I've strained my back a little bit and it's just like... Wow, you know, I don't don't even feel the pain anymore. You've uh, you've absolutely you've absolutely inspired me. You're going to be inspiring our guests, and you're actually, I think, more importantly, you've you will you've opened up mine, and you will have opened up uh, a lot more people's eyes uh, to the fact that you put your mind to something, and it can actually be achieved. And it doesn't it doesn't matter what the case may be. You are a man of many firsts. Uh, you are an absolute role model to everyone, and I and I, I sincerely mean that. When I met, um, also when I met Kurt Fernley, uh, I made the comment that he is one of Australia's greatest athletes of all time, and not the greatest uh, disability athletes, but one of the greatest athletes of all time. And you're one of the greatest entrepreneurial minds and spirits that I've met in a very, very long time, Dwayne. Oh, and, don't and do that to me. <laughs> no, you, you certainly are because your ideas you actually put into practice. And the most important part is you can have a vision and you can have a dream, but if you actually don't put that into practice, and what a lot of people don't understand, and you mentioned it, there's going to be a lot of failures along the way to trying to achieve something great. But everything you have done has been about inclusiveness and including everyone else in the journey, making sure what you just said there, and I hope uh, Elon Musk is li is listening. You're not leaving us behind. Uh, everyone, everyone is included. So I want to thank you, uh, genuinely thank you from the bottom of my heart. I will uh, give Tatiana a call right now and thank you for putting us in contact as well. Um, as well, it's been an absolute pleasure for my behalf, Jamie. Mate, I, I've loved it. I think the stories are fantastic, and um, I know there's some records out there for people to go and beat. Please do. Um, I, I will. I will add a clarifying fact. So everything that I do, I make sure I do with a team. Don't assume anything you can do by yourself, and that's your Ignite model coming back to protect you. Um, yes, that's you may our find model in here too, Dwayne. Yeah, and uh, with, with some of those thinking is that uh, uh, with regards to the spaces around. Yes, I am. I am going out there and overdoing it with regards to uh, really kind of change those models but you should not expect that from the disability community you because you don't set that bar so high for your regular people you should expect them to be regular in your space and that's the thinking that we want you to get to uh, me personally yes i'm going to keep doing things that are insane and fun because it's i need to it's the adhd in me i guess uh and uh, i really have appreciated this time tony and jamie um thank you for having me Thank you. Okay, great. So it's uh, the Coffin Bond Podcast is a product from Coffin Bond and Co., which we are an authorized representative of Can Financial. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of the Kafka and Bond podcast are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decision, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. 
do not take financial advice from the podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Kofkin Pond website, or you can find resources on the ASIC website and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Kofkin Bond and Co. and the host of the Kofkin Bond podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of the country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.